I am what you would call a David Katz enthusiast. And I say enthusiast because I want to avoid using the word superfan. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure and an honor to sit down with him. He, David Katz is the uh, CEO and founder of Plastic Bank. He is on a mission that is of biblical proportions. Um, He's someone that's chatted with the best in the world, whether that's Prince Charles, whether that's uh, meetings at the Vatican, whether that's you know the best CEOs that have ever graced this planet, the most powerful people. And he is someone that has moves with incredible presence, compassion, um, and just knowledge uh, in every in every facet. And that was my experience here with him today. Um, David has been named one of the most compassionate entrepreneurs. Um, by Salt Magazine. He is the recipient of the United Nations Lighthouse Award for Planetary Health, uh, recipient of the Paris Climate Conference uh, Sustainability Award, recipient of the Ernest and Young Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. I could literally, he's been the entrepreneur organization's global citizen. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, this was hands down um, the most grateful I've been for an interview. Uh, so, David, thank you for the humanitarian work you do, the philanthropic work you do, uh, and the work that you do to push our species forward. Uh, guys, this is something that uh, you don't hear often. So, David, thank you for your time. Uh, I hope that we find the impact that you look to create, that we look to create in this universe of abundance. So, thank you for your time and uh, enjoy this podcast. David, you are powerful. I am powerful. We are powerful. And as I'm digging through your discography of life events and your timeline and your awards, I think that's maybe one of the biggest takeaways Mm. is if it's not bending the laws of physics, Uh it's possible. Amen. Which I think is that's uh, a bar that I think more people should set. Like if unless you're an Elon Musk a Jeff Bezos, and you are quite literally yeah. trying to bend physics. Yeah, crazy. Everything else easy is within arm's reach. A- everything is, no question. Absolutely. Um, I was hoping maybe we could start a little bit at the start and you could take me to Beach Ave. Because uh, as an island boy myself, um, I know right where that is. Yeah, and I right. uh, spent many times uh, running that coastline there. Yeah. And, and maybe you could share a little bit about your upbringing there. Yeah, 3000 Beach Drive is where I grew up, Victoria. You know, across the street from me was a little beach. My buddy lived down the road. He had a beach. It was his beach, my beach. And then we traveled Willow's Beach to get to school. Nice. And that was the playground. Yeah, I grew up on the sea, at the sea, at the sea's edge. Mm. And that's really the origin of this. It was that experience some 35 years ago, <laughs> you know, walking the, walking the beach, getting to school that, you know, that's where it started showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, where the rest of the world thinks that it's some modern phenomena that, you know, in the last, you know, four years or so, someone just dumped a whole bunch of plastic in the ocean and no. it's been the accumulation yeah. over decades. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just been aware of it for a long time and and it's been in my context. Been in your context, been in the yeah. context of your life for a very long time. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, I, I grew up on Hornby Island myself, just up yeah. uh, a little bit north of you and yep. Ever since the start of my existence, there's been there's been plastic on the on on the beaches, in the ocean, in the birds, in the whales, in everything. Yeah. Basically, um, you 
the reason why I was so excited, and for those that don't know, I was very excited to have David on um, because he is, a, I mentioned to you, this to you before the podcast, but David in, ver- in many senses is very much a demonstration of the thesis of where I'm trying to push my life in terms of you are accomplishing many things. You're, you're, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're feeding two birds with one scone, rather, because <laughs> let's not kill birds, um, <laughs> um, in that you are saving the planet, you're saving yeah. people, and you're creating economic systems around, um, around those things and, and making that ultimately profitable uh, for companies, which is how I think we is the only way to motivate um, the companies and the organizations of our world to move forward in that way. And you are also bridging the gap between the first world and the yeah. third world through the only language that they both collectively speak, yeah. uh, which is that of dollars and cents. Um, I'd like to go back and I'd love for you to kind of give listeners a little bit of a, a context on Plastic Bank. And because from my point of view, you have created an equation for economic prosperity around something that is completely has no value. And so maybe I was hoping you could bring me back to Singularity University and the conversations and the ideas which kind of sparked uh, what Plastic Bank is today. If you could maybe lead us through and that. And so much said in the preamble to that. I oh, mean, so it's much. not... I ramble, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the material has value. It's commodity. It already has value. You know, you're choosing not to see it. And I, you know, I, you know, I ask everyone if every bottle was five U.S. dollars, every piece of packaging was five U.S. dollars. How much packaging and how many bottles would you see in the environment? Zero. Okay, so we should shut up and take ownership that it's us, not the plastic. Plastic's a remarkable material that's extending life, furthering education and travel experiences. It's, and we have to begin stewarding those things that have been provided from the earth. So stop blaming the plastic. <laughs> right? So there's a lot, lot inside of that as well. You know, Singularity University was an opportunity for me to go and in my context, look for a solution. I didn't approach marine debris or, you know, this, you know, mass extinction from a evangelical or environmentalist perspective. Mm. You know, it's what you think about is what you end up seeing, period. And which is why Greta Thunberg will never find a solution mm. because she's looking for problems and the people around her are looking for problems. It's all beautiful. It's powerful and important. And if it inspires others to look for solution, then fantastic. But I've not yet met an environmental group that has found a solution. They see problems only mm-hmm. and are vocal about problems, of course. Now I'm an entrepreneur and grew up as an entrepreneur and I've never had a job and I've only always been looking for solutions. I think it's a little bit different. It's very much different. I mean, you're the definition of self-hired, sir. You've never had a job. Right. Uh, you know, so, so that's a beautiful thing in that. Yeah. Who, who is looking for solutions? If Greta is looking for the problems, which, mm-hmm. which I agree and don't like, yeah. I've, I've, I've yeah. been, I've been at the rallies, you know, I've, yeah. I've heard her speak. Yeah. She's powerful and that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing, but yeah. she's not necessarily looking for solutions. Who is? 
I, I think the entrepreneur is looking for for the solution. I think that's the you know unique position of the entrepreneur, the guy that shows up and says, you know, well, what, like, what? How do I figure this out? Like, right. what, what? I got to make payroll next week. What? <laughs> I got some, you know, some person's trying to shoot some music video and they don't want to pay me, and I still got me. What? How do I figure that out? <laughs> right? I mean, it's in those moments that I mean, that's the that's the definition. I mean, that is. You know, we chatted before, but this is that is you you arrive in that. You know, Ryan Holiday's got a great book, Obstacles the Way. It's the really it's the works of Marcus Aurelius and the and the knowing and the conversation that in the obstacle lies your life, and it's what you face that 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 is it's what you're you are created in the obstacle that you face, and the obstacle in the path is the path. It's your becoming in the solution of the obstacle. Hmm. Nothing is an obstruction, only an instruction. Instruction. Is that right. correct? Correct. Optimism. Are you an optimist? Uh, am I an optimist? I'm, I don't need to be optimistic. Um, am I positive? Do I choose to see abundance? Uh, is that the question? I mean, you know, people have different perspective, optimist. Uh, well, no, I, I live in abundance. And I'll express that I haven't invented shit. I, I see abundance and I live in the abundance of life. And I choose that every experience that I've encountered has been positive. It's been a remarkable gift of my life. And I've had some crazy tragedy, crazy shit. And it's all gift. It's all amazing stuff. So I get to look at all of it and go, oh, there was a lesson inside of that. Where was a lesson inside of that? You know, you, you all reflect and go, oh, those were turning points in my life. That's where I became something. Hmm. That's been the journey of the plastic bank. It's, it's been about the becoming. I'll, I'll talk about it forever. It was, you know, I had three ideas when I had the idea of the plastic bank. I had the idea of the monetization of this material, this, this way to have plastic as money for the world, knowing that the root, cause of this was poverty and that most of the plastic entering the ocean is coming from areas where people can't afford food. So if I could turn plastic into food, that could be a solution. If I could turn plastic into medical care, school tuition, clean water, anything else. See, I had to change the paradigm inside the person. It wasn't plastic. It's what the value that I achieve from trading the plastic that is the value. How do I make it look like it's worth five dollars? Mm. That's the gift of it. And so, you know, really, I, I tapped into the abundance. I tapped into a paradigm that I could turn something into money. Like, oh, okay, I, I didn't invent money. I didn't invent bartering. I didn't invite invent banking. I just created a paradigm where people could now see plastic being used as that. Mm. And I live in the knowing that everyone has a favorite radio station, WIIFM. Maybe you've heard of it. What's in it for me? Mm. And so what's in it for me? I can't, you know, another saying is that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. I can't convince anyone to do anything. I can't argue into anything. I can't win a political conversation on Facebook with you. Mm. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Mm. I can't convince you to recycle. I can't tell you to do stuff. I can't tell you that the planet's dying unless you do it. If you don't care, you're not going to do it. Mm. So I had to take all of those factors and go, oh, if it's money, 
of course, I don't have to teach anyone to recycle. It's not about, we don't go into communities and teach the population that they should be recycling. We give them an idea that if they pick up all this material, instead of burning it or throwing it in the canal, they bring it to us, they get a bank account, they get a credit rating, they get cash, they can buy food, they have communications with their family across the country. Well, that's a self-evident. Mm. I don't teach anyone anything. Let's provide the space for it to occur. You know, as I communicate here as well, all I do is use my word. I, I, I've created through using word. My, and the creation came from inviting other people into a space. And then we could use plastic as money for the world. Cool. And then, of course, brands will be excited by that. They'll have to be. And they'll either be, you know, it's either going to be, you know, beverage company A or beverage company B. And the conversation is going to be, you know, beverage company A, um, can either choose to participate or beverage company B is going to say that they're cleaning the world of beverage company A's mess. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And so there's risk to not participate and they know it. Now it took a long time for them to show up. You know, traditional capitalism has to change, you know, shareholder return first, that has to end. I mean, there's lots that has to continue to, to shift. I mean, what we see happening now is that, it's the youth today, and that's a you know, and, and a beautiful part about Greta using her word. You see, she didn't invent climate change. She used her word, though, to invite people into a realm of possibility. Well, it's the same thing, and so, and so, what's occurred now is that that next generation, that Gen Z, that millennial, is not working at places like Procter and Gamble anymore. Right. I mean, those jobs used to be revered, mm. coveted, right. but now nobody wants to put chemicals in a bottle that's going to pollute the planet. No one wants. No one's proud to tell their friends, mm. and so that shifted. That that became a motivation. I think when you have societal uprisings or movements yeah. mixed with technological advancements, mixed with policy. Uh, mixed with the financial systems to back it, I, essentially anything can change. Um, I'm a big fan of Jeremy Rifkin. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his work at all. No. Um, Jeremy Rifkin has an idea of the third industrial revolution, essentially, which is an ad adaptation of a um, biosphere consciousness, essentially, yeah. um, in that three, uh, a biosphere consciousness through the millennial Gen Z um, generation. And then his, his, thesis, if you will, is that uh, economies drastically change um, when three technologies come together, how we power our economy, how we move our economy, and how we manage our economy. He goes through and, and models how that's happened three times uh, with uh, steam-powered coal uh, and the telegraph system in uh, the British Isles, big Texas oil, Model T Fords, uh, the phone and television radio, and now today with 5G communication, renewable energy, um, and now renewable cars, uh, and logistic systems, autonomous logistic systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever we power, manage, and move our economy differently, um, we can have a new drastic economic vision. This is something I've researched, but it's not a solution or a thought that I've come to um, out of trying to solve, um, out of looking for the problem of our economy. I came to stumbled upon Jeremy's work and came to this conclusion off of trying to find a way 
to solve the problem of how are we going to drastically change our economy in the next 10 years? Essentially, um, this is a way to do it. And these are investable themes. Um, but I digress and say, you have done exactly the same thing and that you have changed an economic paradigm mm -hmm. in order to get a desired outcome. But that's really not the value you're creating. In the mind of the consumer, you are creating dollars, you are creating life, you're creating education, you're creating future. A byproduct of that, oh yeah, by the way, we're not putting plastic in the ocean anymore. Yeah. And, and by the way, we're cleaning the environment. By the way. And by the way, we're stewarding all life. Right. Right. You know, we had a, you know, because we had to digitize everything, had to create a banking application, the blockchain, everything else. And, um, and our numbers yesterday were 18, 18 and a half kilo of material collected every minute is what we're doing right 18 now. and a half kilo, kilo per minute per minute yeah so i think this is a really good time to yeah. break down because if i go up to someone and say don't throw that bottle out it's worth more than five yeah. cents you can yeah. put it on your iphone mm -hmm. and we'll give you a currency to give you everything that you need that sounds ridiculous to me can you mm -hmm. please break down how you made plastic bank possible from a business standpoint because it's incomprehensible to most You know, it's, 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 um, that was, I, I pause just because I, I reflect on the journey in this because it, it, it was incomprehensible to most, you know, it's got to become real. And, and, and I think that our early days that the sales cycle so long because the people we were selling to couldn't conceive of it and it's reality. Like what? You're turning plastic into money, and there's a currency exchange. What? Yeah. They they just couldn't see how it would work. They couldn't believe it of themselves, because they themselves are in a scarcity, live in a scarcity, and so you can't see that that you don't know or that that you don't believe in. And so there was there was a paradigm, and that, that took time for people. And. Um, And, and, you know, I, I equate this to a, you know, it was, it was a ancient, it was a Persian parable talking about acres of diamonds. I, I use it loosely here in that if you on your way to work were walking over fields of diamonds and you kept stepping on them everywhere, diamonds everywhere, and you think, wow, what wealth. But you recognize before you bend over that there was no store that you could spend any of the diamonds at. Certainly no bank that you could deposit the value of the diamonds at. No one would even barter with you for the diamonds. Would you bother to pick them up? Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd be worthless to you. Mm -hmm. And I'd argue they'd stay on the ground worthless like rocks. Mm -hmm. And so our presence in communities reveals the inherent value in a petroleum resource but is internationally traded. We're a chain of stores for the poor, where everything in the store can be purchased using plastic garbage. School tuition, medical insurance, Wi-Fi, cooking fuel, clean water, food, nutrition, insurance packages. Insurance packages. Mm -hmm. And everything else the poor need and can't afford using plastic garbage as money. Mm. I, I think we're, I mean, that, that lets 
people comprehend what we do, but we are more like a chain of bank branches, mm -hmm. a currency exchange. The plast deposit plastic garbage by mass and withdraw the things that you, your family, or your community need. Mm. No different than depositing euro at one bank and then taking out US dollars. It's the same. Mm. Same, same. Super simple. It isn't, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't, it isn't. Um, yeah. What you do is you take that plastic, you inject value in it in some way that you can compensate yourself for giving value back to the community. Well, so here's, I'll give you, I'll give a couple of two examples. Please. Um, in the Philippines, um, mother of the household, maybe taking care of the children, father maybe working in a high-risk job, mm. certainly no safety shoes, no safety boots, no safety goggles. And um, if something happens to him, the family can be left destitute. Mm. It's 80 cents a month for illness insurance, an accident. So that if something happens to him, the family's not left destitute. And so the mother of the household can take a policy on her husband and name herself as a beneficiary. It holds a 30,000 to one death benefit as well. Mm. And it takes almost nothing to collect 80 cents worth of plastic. What is 80 cents worth of plastic? What does that look like? I'm familiar well, with the situation in Haiti. So, so what does yeah. that look like? So let me, let, 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 just, just in the story of it all, Please. though, um, you see, it's not, it's not that, you know, say eight kilo, five kilo of plastic that she's got to collect. See, she's not looking at it as plastic anymore. It's not even the 80 cents. It is a sense of security. And that's priceless. That a bottle has given her. Right. Mm. So it's not, it's not necessarily, it's not the plastic that's the paradigm. It's not even the product that they get. It's the outcome of having access to the product that's the motivator. Like within Haiti, when children can now pay for school tuition using plastic garbage. I mean, the paradigm shifts. It's not the plastic. It's not the $20 a month. It's the end of poverty. It's not, it's not about having cell phone minutes. It's about being able to speak to my sick mother that's across the country that I'll never get to. It's the benefit of it. That's why credit rating and providing credit rating and debt service ratio to the poor is so important. Because it's not about transacting and returning material every month. It's about me being able to substantiate my sense of worth so that I can choose on my own to ascend poverty. And when I have hope, poverty can leave me. So it's the benefit of it. That's the gift of what we do. Because it unlocks the human. It sets them free. And if they can come out of that base of needs to a step above where they can actually begin to think of others, we shift humanity. When everyone can be in contribution, different paradigm. Yeah, 
can't think about recycling when I can't feed my daughter. You'll never, you will never think of recycling when your child dies from basic fever because you don't have access to Tylenol. Mm. Governments can't think of recycling or garbage collection programs when they can't fight cholera. But uh, when they can't, uh, of course. Yeah, which runs a rampant, right? No question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, an electrical grid comes before the planet, which is totally. Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to get out of. Um, I have to power my hospitals. I have to work in tax base. There's so many other things that have to be done. Mm. I mean, Haiti is a catastrophe on its own, but it's not. It's not just Haiti. No. Mm -hmm. It's not. Where Where are you guys operating in right now? Never start a business in Haiti. <laughs> um, and then Philippines, Indonesia, Brazil. We're just opening Egypt, Colombia. And then this year, Thailand and Vietnam. So you were starting in the poorest places in the world. Haiti is yeah. quite literally maybe well, the poorest. Poorest in the Western Hemisphere, poorest. 19th poorest in the world. 19th poorest in the world. Yeah. What drew you to Haiti? You said never start a business there, and that's exactly what you proceeded to do. <laughs> <laughs> Had I known. <laughs> that um, Haiti wasn't a great economy? <laughs> Haiti was a catastrophe. Haiti is a catastrophe. Yeah, Haiti is a catastrophe. Yeah. We, we we may be experiencing the you know rebirth of the nation right now, but we'll see what occurs. Uh, we all, we started in Haiti because there was a vast volume of material that was flowing into the Atlantic and the Caribbean, mm. and um, you know why not Haiti? Because the people are beautiful and it requires help and support and and um, and they need it. And when we enter a country, you know we we view ourselves as being an economic development firm. Mm. So it kind of changes the paradigm when we come in, right? Mm. Now I've had staff shot and people have been murdered and all kinds of crazy yeah. things that we have to encounter there. It's, it's just the scarcity is pervasive there. So mm. it's difficult even to deal with other business owners there because everyone is so focused on what's in it for me. Absolutely. And it's hard to even hold yeah. a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I've spent some time down there, right. and so I know I know the interactions that happen. I'm interested to hear how Plastic Bank yourself, just your organization, your ecosystem has been received in these um, ecosystems. Because for you, like, yeah. I, I don't mean to be frank, but it is it is frankly unbelievable. And I say that in a bad way yeah. from a consumer perspective. Like if I'm uh, any person in Haiti in the Philippines that I'm living yeah. on less than $2 a day, I don't believe you. Mm. I don't believe you. How was your, um, how were you received? Um, yeah, they believe us. It's really beautiful. We had, <laughs> um, we had a journalist show up from Bloomberg. Business Week did a beautiful article and they spent the time in Bali uh, talking to our collectors, mm. talking to our members. And um, she talked to people who'd never had a bank account in their lives. And that and that they felt like they were actually a part of society as a result. Mm. And um, I've witnessed in Haiti, uh, older older women in one of our centers in City Soleil, that she... We paid her for the material that was coming in, and she looked at it, and it kind of ran away. <clears throat> like, what, what's what's occurring? Why was she running away? And uh, Sephora was her country manager. There is like, oh, she doesn't. She thinks it's. She thinks you made a mistake. That it was too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And so she took the money and went, oh, 
I need to, I need to run away. Mm. And it, and it doesn't take long for, uh, for the paradigm to shift for the paradigm to shift. Right. Yeah. I'm interested to hear, like, I don't think people understand, like you're setting up bank accounts. Yeah. You're setting up co-ops, credit yeah. unions almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a gentleman, I forget his name, uh, who said um, credit is an essential human right. Um, as again, for all the reasons yeah. why you just mentioned, yeah. um, setting up, complex financial institutions in some of the most desolate places in the world. Yeah. Um, how did it start? Like when you got on the ground, because I've been on the ground, you can't just go in there and start doing no. these things. What was, what yeah. was day one? When well, was day one? Partnership ultimately. So, you know, I'd, I'd go. So, you know, day one for the plastic bank was May the 11th, 2013, right before lunch. That's kind of when I had the idea. <laughs> I was at Singularity University and I was, you know, participating in, in this, you know, week long seminar series of transformative technologies that were going to affect uh, the base of humanity the, and, and, and trying to solve what they call the global grand challenges. And in this additive manufacturing seminar where I was able to watch a single strand of plastic through a heated nozzle transform into items and the example they had was this belt Avi Reichenthal was the fellow leading the, the seminar he was the CEO of 3D Systems it was the first publicly traded company in the 3D printing space and mm. it was like Avi like cool belt it was like 70s looking and stuff it was it was pretty cool and right. fascinated that it was one solid piece of manufacturing and now of course you know, my context here is that I went to Singularity University trying to find a solution. Mm. I'm looking for a solution. I'm there to try to solve the mass extinction Events. that's unfolding. Yeah. And I'm like, Avi, well, cool. You guys printed a belt. Okay. Kind of useful. <laughs> What's what's a belt sell for? Well, yeah. Eighty dollars. Well, what was the material cost on it? Ten. Yeah. Oh, I was struck. So wow, the the only thing that determined the value of the plastic was its shape. And I recognized in that as well was the problem was that people were looking at packaging and determining its shape and thereby determining its value of being zero. And if I could change the value perception inside the eye of the person perceiving the bottle, that could be the nucleus to change. So how might I make that bottle now look like school tuition, financial inclusion, and everything else? What was, how can I change the internal idea of the human? And that's why we you know, continue to try to add everything else that we can that that's outcome or access to is the value. And we sell volumes of material. We're, we're doing, we're killing it. And, <laughs> yeah. and then we, um, and then we also sell like some people, like we have a, we have a global, a new, one of the global bottlers um, that's just become a customer. Mm. 
and they're standing forward for, you know, you know, plastic regeneration or plastic positivity, where they take out more from the environment than they put in every year, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and they don't even use the material, but they pay us to collect it, right? And so that just becomes a great incentive. Mm-hmm. So we take that price per kilo and we and we light up our 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 communities because now we say, oh you know, bring in this type of material, that type of material, non-valuable materials, and we'll pay you for those too. So like, oh, there's even more money in the streets. So we've got a variety of ways that we go about giving incentive. Mm-hmm. And cash, of course, is king as well. And of course, people want the cash. People always want the cash. Yeah. What's your gift? I, I've received the entire gift out of all of this. This is really, you know, important discussion, May the 11th, 2013. There was three thoughts that occurred to me. So I had the idea of the plastic bank and all the enormity of it. I recognized how how big of an idea it was. I recognized that it was a possibility for a solution and that I could make some dent in in society. All of the overwhelm of that was the second thought. The ego mind appeared. It's like, who are you, cats? You got to build like some global supply chain of material. You're going to engage the, you know, fortune 100s of the world. You're going to create a monetary system. You're going to engage the poor. I mean, you barely have a command of English. What what are you going to do? Who are you to do that? And so I had all of the overwhelm, all of the self-doubt, the monkey mind, the ego mind that, that immediately told me that the idea was too big. And the gift, my gift, tying into the answer here, is that I had a moment of consciousness at the end of those two thoughts. It said, cats, all you got to do is, is be less focused on being the person that could change the world and only be focused on slowly becoming the person who could change the world. And that's what I've been in the pursuit of. It's a day-by-day fractional improvement on the person I was the day before. I get to slowly, slowly become the person who makes change. Too many live in the paradigm that things have to be perfect or they wait for the best. And the best is absolutely the enemy of the good enough. So many wait before they begin because they live in an attachment that it might mean something about them if they fail. Mm. Or on the contrary, if you don't begin, it's a greater meaning. Hmm? How do you interact? I'm, I'm very curious. As a young person, I have questions about identity, about ego. You've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. How do you interact with this because I saw the expression on your face change when you went to that second thought of, well, who are you, cats? Mm-hmm. That's a real thought. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to still hold some weight. Mm. I, would, I would argue that's not a real you thought. You would argue that's not a real that's thought? That's not a real thought. Ego mind is not a real thought. That's ego mind. How do you interact with that concept called the ego now, today? I recognize that it's a thought. In the meditation practice and powerfully understanding that there's a space between thought and my conscious self, I know that when I go into thought that I've lost conscious <laughs> and I bring myself into the present moment. Mm. 
I mean, it's become it's become much, you know, and, and I'm a student, uh, but I'm much more powerful today than I've ever been. Right? You, I'm not my thoughts. I'm the one who hears the thoughts. Hmm. The thoughts are just a a function of the brain, of the mind. The mind has thoughts. So who hears the thoughts? Separation of identity. This can be a hard thing. Uh, the dark night of the soul uh, in a way where you you seem meaningless and you come out the other end supposedly um, with the idea of well, everything has meaning, everything is individualistic, everything has Nothing love. Nothing has meaning. I, dis- I disagree. You disagree? Yeah. I think life's empty and meaningless. And it's empty and meaningless that it's empty and meaningless. David it doesn't Katz, mean anything. Life really. does not come with meaning. You create the meaning. You place the meaning on it. It didn't come with shit. Just because, I don't know, it's cold outside doesn't mean it's a bad day because it's raining. It's, oh, it's meaning. Everyone's racing to place meaning. It doesn't come with meaning. You place the meaning on it. Now that meaning came from your journey of life. I choose the meaning on life. It doesn't come with meaning. I create it. I choose it. And that's why I say I choose life to be beautiful and amazing and remarkable and unlimited and powerful. And we live in the abundance of life. I see everything as a gift. I chose it. Life's a choice. Nothing comes with meaning. You can all sit back and go, any tragedy in my life? Oh, my goodness. Oh, life is so horrible. I, oh, that must have meant something. Oh, it means I'm no good. I, I don't know what that Whatever. Things are bad. Listen, I lost a daughter a year and a half ago. And I could sit back and go, oh my gosh, life is so horrible. Oh, it's the, it means that I'm this or that. It's got nothing to do with nothing. We miss her, but I don't live in the attachment of being a father that lost a child. You know, we express it to give emphasis to the point. It didn't come with meaning. It doesn't mean anything. It's an event that occurred. But yet so many parents live in the paradigm that it means something. And then they, then they become attached to the meaning. And then it becomes themselves. And they can't break free of it because they want to be right over the meaning that they placed on it. They want to be right over the meaning that they've yeah. placed on it. What was me? I'm a parent that lost a child. Life will never be the same. And they live in the expression of it, wanting to be right that it's that way. Okay, whatever you choose, lady. Right. And if you choose that, that's what it is. That's what it is. Right. It didn't come with a meaning on it. I can, I choose. I look at it and go, oh my goodness. What? Paid a high price gift. Where's the gift? It's like, oh my goodness. I touched the depth of love. I touched, I, I touched the paradigm of depth of love that almost no one else will ever experience. And that carries with me everywhere I go. Beautiful gift. I further get to see the love and the beauty and power and unlimited nature of every soul I encounter. You strike me as a person that would say, you'd strike me as a person that I'd put an identity on of living a life of service. Would you say yeah. that of yourself? Yeah. Beautiful. It's really powerful. It's remarkable. I'm, and, and, but you know, you know, I have to resonate on the word service. If um, 
if standing forward for people in a way that you see them greater than they've ever seen themselves, you speak to them and speak of them in a way that exhibits their infinite nature so that they can step forward into a paradigm that sets them free to be in contribution service than that service. I just see people in the gift that they are. And I create them from that gift. I step forward into the future. I step forward into possibility. See, I live somewhere differently. I live into a paradigm. I mean, everything is available. All paradigms are available. So whatever you choose in life, every context is available. I've chosen a context to live in, and I speak from that reality. That's how it works. Give it 100 years, Dave. I think in 100 years, we'll get to a place. We'll get to a point, yeah. We'll get yeah. there. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. You see that? I know that everything begins. We've got to step forward for that. That's why I communicate it all the time. Mm. That's what has to occur. I think that we have an awakening. We have the ability to at least share that. Mm. You've hit me with about three haymakers to the left head. I'm just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, there's just so much to talk about in all of this. I mean, there is, you know, even even in the context of abundance, like, you know, I communicated that because if you if you if you come from a place where you know that the universe is infinite, I I choose to stand in a place that the that the universe is infinite. If it's infinite, everything inside of it is infinite as well. Mm -hmm. Which indeed is the nature of the universe, scientifically. So, so, and, and everything you want, therefore, is also infinite. <laughs> yes. So I just live in a space where everything that I want is here. There's no scarcity. It doesn't matter. I don't care. But people ask me, what if there's going to be a competitor? I don't care. I live in an infinite universe. <laughs> <laughs> what do I care if there's a competitor? Beautiful. Let them. Yes. And they just help perpetuate my infinite nature because I'm exposed to those things I don't not, do not yet know. Right. Or find other ways to do it. Or, or they'll come in and substantiate the category. Beautiful. Remarkable. It's unlimited. What can I possibly... Plus, what do I want in life? Right. Well, I want... I, I, you know, I like to... I don't know. I just like a nice glass of wine. Like I, I'm so simple. Like I, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. I get right. to become the person who's changing the world. That's freaking crazy on its own. Right. You know, I get to be in these places where people are like inspired to meet me and see me and stuff. And I've been like with some like crazy people. And I'm like, <laughs> what? You're inspired to see me? Are you kidding me? Like, what? So amazing. So I get to be that person. Right, what, else, what, what, what do I need? Like, well, I got food. I don't go hungry. I could probably eat less, in fact. <laughs> so, right? But yet so many people are, are attached to this place where they need, oh no, when I've got a Ferrari or something else, or, or when I've got a bigger house, then people will like me. And then something that's, you know, you know, some will, you know, it's a bit of a journey of enlightenment, I guess, maybe in my age and the journey of it all, right? Non-judgment, non-attachment, non-resistance. Those are the journeys that enlightenment, right? Do you carry a religion? How do you think about that? I, <laughs> I remember way back when I took an online, um, <laughs> it was like 12 years ago or so, I took an online IQ test. 
turns out I'm ingenious. <laughs> and um, at the end of the IQ test, it said, oh, test your religion. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And, and at the end of it, I discovered that I mostly aligned to being a universal Unitarian. And universal Unitarianism is a philosophy found in the 16th century that sees the gift and beauty and love in all religions mm. and celebrates them all, the balance of science, as long as it's towards the betterment of mankind. Mm. So that's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. I, I philosophize with Buddhism, although I do like things. <laughs> David, right? come on. <laughs> right? And the chicken was good. Right, the chicken was good. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that inside of all of that, I've been able to see the gift in all, all philosophies. I, right. see the, I see the gift in every religion. I think all scripture is as well testament to consciousness. Mm. That's all. I mean, you know, it's even even the sidebar conversation here, and forgive some of the philosophy, but you know, I, I speak like you speak first. It's not created until you until you speak it. You have to speak things. If it's in your head and you don't express, it's never going to be created. An architect, that's no matter what building, unless you speak it, unless you create it, it won't occur. Right. So for the first thing for all of creation, you have to speak it. Mm. That's that's a level of consciousness. In the Bible, at least the New Testament, Old Testament as well, start off in Genesis that the God spoke the world into creation. And all the rest of it is commentary. All, everything in the Bible as I see it is the beauty of consciousness. The beauty of what occurs when we completely die. And we need to completely die to be born again. And in that conversation, we have to die the ego mind, die all the meanings, die all the past die everything else that's come up that we think is a limit in our lives. We have to come from the nothing. Because when we come from the nothing and see the nothing is the infinite space. When we don't come in with story, we don't come in with ideas, when we don't come in with our own judgments or what we've experienced to think that life is finite, when we come from the nothingness, the nothingness is the infinite space. And so the greater we can come into the infinite, you can choose whatever you want, whatever reality you want in the world, and you speak that from that space. Mm. I mean, people talk about goal setting and other things, but they speak of goal setting from an ego attachment. They speak of goal setting from I want something or some position or somewhere else. That's all powerful, but not as powerful as from coming from the consciousness. Because I is one, consciousness is all. Right. Right. So lots in all of that conversation uh, as well. So much. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, how do you set goals? I live in a possibility right? I've set, I've set a possibility of my life. And I've been through goal setting for the entirety of my life. I'd say that I'm probably here through my ego attachments early. Um, and I did lots of smart goal setting. I mean, I, like I've got reams of books, you know, I've got, you know, I've got <laughs> reams of books that I would go every day and I would write out my top 10 goals. And I did that every single day, every single day without looking at the previous page. I'd write out my goals. Next day, I'd write out my goals, write out my goals, write out my goals. Writing them as a, you know, smart, measurable, attainable, realistic, time sensitive. And I, and I spoke of them from the reality of it as well. You don't, you don't speak a goal and say, oh, I will, you know, sometime have, because that's all you, at some time you'll have, I speak a goal from the reality. Right, like it's April nineteenth, two thousand and twenty-two, and I'm driving my Maserati or whatever it is you want, and you speak of it from the reality of it. So I, when I create in life, I speak from the creation of. No, I speak from the created. 
Mm. The existing. I speak from the existing. Mm. I get to choose what whatever the freak I want in life. It's all real. It's all possible. Mm. It's all available. Mm. So I speak of the created. You're speaking in ways that I've been very fortunate in my position to speak to uh, people of your age uh, and people with uh, great knowledge. I've missed a lot of points because, frankly, a person in my position versus a person in your position, there are many steps in between, and there's steps in knowledge. You you can't learn algebra without learning uh, simple multiplication or mm-hmm. um what was your in, so in an attempt to bridge that gap mm-hmm. between adding and subtracting in algebra, maybe you could bring us through what your goal setting process was, or maybe even just your mind was in your late teens, early twenties, and we could track that development through to yourself here now. Yeah, my my journey started in my uh, late thirties. Uh, I mean, I grew up in an incredibly dysfunctional family. <laughs> It was a, it was, you know, I grew up in a Judaic home. My parents were Israeli immigrants. Uh, my mother is 13 generations from Jerusalem and um, not the most. I mean, my mother finished grade six, my dad finished grade two, um, ignorant, um, racist, and intolerant in their own sense. And my father was human and violent and uh, addicted and genius and all kinds of crazy shit. And so I grew up in this uh, powerfully judgmental and conditional home. So I grew up in a place thinking that if anyone ever said anything nice to me that meant that they wanted something or needed something, Mm. if they said something nice to me, it was because it was not real, it was not true. So. Wow, if I had, um, my goodness, if I had that opportunity to learn consciousness, learn meditation, to learn separation of self from thought, oh, where would I be today? Oh, my goodness. Mm. So I try to spend my children, I, put, I, I provide the space for them to be in, the, in, in consciousness and in development of that, set them free of all the thoughts so they get to create anything. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry to interject, interject yeah. but how? Uh, how how old are your children now? Uh, I got a fourteen year old and I got a twenty one year old. <sighs> yeah, Ella would have been nineteen. Uh-huh. And but the beauty of that, so there's all kinds of training. There's all kinds of set aside the books, the training, everyone from the Michael Singers of the world and the Tollies of the world and the Landmark of the world and uh, everything else. How do you prime it? How do you frame it? How do you contextualize it for them? It's very hard for it's very hard for a young person to understand. Um, yeah, there's some great there's some great formalized. Yeah. Training out there. Okay. <laughs> Some great stuff out there. There's mm. lots of great stuff for kids too. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And it creates a common language for us, which is powerful. In what sense? Um, when we're placing meaning on things, like it's easy for, for one of the kids to think that it was easier in the past for like my daughter to think that one of her friends that's not talking to her anymore means something about it. But now on the other side of this, she gets to say, oh, she's in some sort of crazy story of life. Mm. This is not, doesn't place meaning on her self over things. That's incredibly powerful. I'm so proud of that. Right. 
Right. It's super parenting win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? And and probably saves you a lot of uh, trouble Ta- and, and turmoil down the road. And it'll save a lifetime of trouble and turmoil. For that person. Because that's yeah. the goal. I mean, Correct. I don't know a damn thing, but uh, of parenting is to not pass that on. Right? To not pass that on. Just yeah. Lots of gift inside of the of the conversation of seeing people for their wholeness. Mm. How do you see people for their wholeness? Well, listen, I, you know, I, first I've got to acknowledge you, like, look what you're doing. Like how, how old are you? I'm 23. You're 23 years old. I mean, you're, you're, you're killing it. You're intelligent. You're prepared. You did all of your study. You've got these guys together. You got the whole thing going on. Look how much you're stepping forward in life. How beautiful is that? Thank you. How unlimited are you that way? It's really great. Mm. It was courageous as well. Your, your, you know, 78 Instagram short messages, (laughs) all of it. You stood forward to be create to create something. Totally acknowledge you for that. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Right, and so you're unlimited. I see that. See something powerful for you coming up. Mm. Awesome. What is a failure? What is it? It doesn't exist. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It truly doesn't exist. Does not exist. What is pain? Also a construct. So it's like, come on. You said you started your journey in the thirties. Yeah. What are the twenties? Well, you know, I would, um, I started, um, my entrepreneurial journey when I was like 12 or something though. Right. Um, in my twenties, I opened a restaurant when I was 24, 26. I was 26 when I opened my first restaurant, Cafe de la Lune. (laughs) Where? In Victoria. Wow. Where about uh, Douglas and Pandora? Oh wow! Hey, across from City Hall, um, my parents used to own the Douglas Hotel, which was infamous, notorious um, for its clientele at the time. We had a tavern that opened at nine a.m., and um, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I worked. I was indentured to my parents, like family business. Of course. It's an immigrant family. It's of like, course. no, you work. Like, oh no, you don't get money. Why would I, why would we pay you to work? Like yeah. you're the family. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's really what drove my entrepreneurship is that I wanted to get away from the servitude. Mm. All gift. All gift. All Everything gift. is a gift. Man. All gift. Everything is a gift. And then there's such a, such a, there's so much inside of that that's so important for people. Like, like if you just look at everything and go, okay, where was the gift inside of it? There's, you can you can see the gift in anything. It's all gift anyhow. If you just change your paradigm, like, you know, how many people would like, you know, get into a fender bender or something and like be distraught? Of course. What? <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah. What? It just doesn't compute with you. That's not at all. Yeah. Not you know, just I had um I had a nice little car. I was driving across the uh, Lionsgate Bridge. <laughs> and um and then the center lane was closing. And so we I had to merge to the right. And as I merged to the right, shoulder check merged to the right, the truck in front of me hit the car in front of it. And, um, and of course it hit the car and it went up and I drove underneath this truck and, um, it was a pretty little car that I had. And, and I remember in that very second, I was like, Oh, fun. 
I'm going to see what an airbag going off is like. Right. So I, I chose it to be a gift before it occurred. <laughs> so right. I could just lie in the gift of it all. Right. Or I could have been, oh, no, and, and mad and everything else. And like, oh, this is horrible. Worst day. Or it's like, fine, cool, okay. I'm not changing it. Yeah. You're not changing the event. I'm not changing the event. Yeah. That's beyond my realm. Right. But I can certainly change the way I want to view it. Right. And choose it. Because inside of that lies your whole life's journey. Because you get to go back at it and go, oh, gift, 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 gift. Oh, look at all the gifts of my life. And, and that's living anyhow. So what are you trying to reach some car for or some house where everything you encounter and overcome is the more of the joy than you'll ever receive from a car? You have the very unfolding moment of life, the love and the gift of it now. Chasing something is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> says the entrepreneur, says the person that's trying to affect I, a I billion people. I live into people. a reality. This of is course. the beautiful part. I have already chosen life. And I live from that reality. I'm not chasing it. I just live there. I listened to a podcast uh, with you and you were mentioning some business deals that you were just striking. I don't want yeah. to go down into the specifics of those. I'd rather just, you you, you mentioned that they were very recent. Oh, yeah, so and many cool things going on. It's so many. We're the biggest bottlers in the world becoming customers. Be- beautiful but things. All kinds of stuff. You, you speak of them very calmly. Yeah. Where does your excitement happen? I, I get to witness... I, I, the gift of my life is included watching poverty leave people. That's a whole different thing. Hmm. A whole different thing. And you witness it. You see it fall. You have been able to see the moment that's left someone. The very moment where they understood that for that, in the paradigm of that, they became unlimited. Hmm. They saw that they had now had an opportunity to have anything that they want. Mm. They could see in the future. This is the cool part. You know, I had a collector in Haiti. It was the first time I experienced it. And uh, we created a cooperative. And you see, most look for a job of some sort. They look for and they have, they're enslaved in that job and they have a limited daily income. And, and in entrepreneurship, of course, the harder you work, the more you can make. And so... So it was this very moment where he was talking to me and he's like, you know, chatting and you know, one of my staff with me and, and he's like, oh, David, I, I can see my young girls going to university. Hmm. I was asking, well, what do you hope for? Well, I can see my young girls going to university. And you could see, you could see the space that you... I'm not, I'm not even sure how to describe it. But you could see this leaving with him. He was like, oh. I'm not sure if it was the first day or someday, but he could truly see 10 years in the future. You know, that's a Buffett or a Gates. They look at decades in the future. Mm. There is a direct correlation between time perspective and wealth. Hmm. You look at the drug addicts and the alcoholics on East Hastings, 
Their time perspective is the next hour. Middle management, senior management, they might look for an annual bonus. Buffett, Gates, the other great investors, decades. Time perspective. Mm. And with this man, he went from now to 10 years in the future. And he recognized it at the moment as well. It was incredibly powerful. Time travel. In a way. He could live into the future. In a he way. could live and speak from that. It's just reality. I wouldn't I would say it's now. He was living now as if it exists. Hmm. It's only now. There is any there's nothing other than now. And the any time you're going to experience something in the future will just be an experience of the now anyhow. Anything that you've ever experienced in the past was just a a moment in the now. The only thing that ever will exist, can exist, has existed, is right this very moment. Is that, is that hurting your brain a little bit? But not, that's the truth. No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I, I, I've, I've read. I've read, yeah. and and and, yeah. and 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 is it's familiar to me for sure. But it's just yeah. it's impossible to communicate. It's so hard to communicate. And you have the gift of communication, um, clearly. Clearly, clearly, clearly. But it strikes me. Any other version of David. Yeah. Then as opposed to the version that's in front of right. me is impossible for me to conceptualize. Right. <laughs> it truly is. It's, uh, it thank truly you. Is. Um, and I'm only a version of what I will be. Again. Yeah. Again, these are, these are mental yeah. exercises. I was at the gym the other day in the morning and I, and I was looking, I have these thoughts of, well, why train? Why train? I used to, to, to play basketball very, very competitively. And, and, and I got hurt and I couldn't play. And now as most athletes, athletes do, they're in a spot where they're like, ah, well, what's the point? What's the point? Where's the meaning? Where's the purpose? Where's the goal? Find me, give me a goal, give me a goal and I'll hit it. Um, and I'm sitting there and I was like, you know what? I know my mind works just like this. I need to find a way to trick it into finding truth. And as I'm sitting there in between swinging weights around and kettlebells and shit, I'm like, I just want to be an insane 60 year old at 23. Right. Yeah. You should be I think an that's it. 80 year old. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's it. And I think right. that you, David can be yeah. an insane centenarian. Yeah. Totally. At 50. No question. That's <laughs> right. the whole gift of it. And how, how right. exciting is that, right? right. So you, uh, there's these mantras, there's these philosophies that you've communicated here. I don't think people understand the enormity of the situation because I haven't alluded to it at, at all. I mean, you are, you, you're working with the Vatican. You're working with the Catholic Church. Yeah, the Church. Vatican's so cool. Oh my goodness, we've got so much cool stuff happening. So we need to be exponential for the world, right? So the right. ocean can't wait. And I need to create a, a organization that can affect billions of people simultaneously, quickly. quickly. And every small little town, no matter where you go, has a church and a school. <laughs> and, you know, I use the you know, metaphor fields of diamonds. Of course. And they're all stepping on fields of diamonds, fields of diamonds. Everywhere. And so if I can get the church and the school to become collection locations or redemption locations, or ultimately the bank branch in every community, then awesome. That's exactly what has to occur. And you've won. And, and then within Catholicism, the great part about Catholicism, you know, we're not, the company is not faith-based, 
we have love in our hearts, one of the values of the company too, but the, um, the power within Catholicism is a management structure. I mean, like there's a boss, right? Like, well, I guess there's a boss, there's a boss <laughs> of the boss, but there's a boss, right? So, right. and there's a management structure. Right. And, and the, and the gift of the 1.1 billion Catholics in the world is that every week there's the same, same set of lessons. Routine, yeah. And around the world, it's always the same lesson every Sunday. And so we've created a program for, for the congregation to not, just bring offering on Sunday, but to bring the recycling with them as well. And we've created something immensely powerful for the Catholic Church that is, in, you know, as they communicate, the most relevant opportunity to put faith in action that they've ever encountered. See, it's faith in action for them. Because all of life is a verb anyhow. It's all, a, it's all an action. It's all a movement. Faith and action. Faith in action. Faith in action. Yeah. The Pope had, you know, you know, his encyclical Laudato Si. It's a service over creation, right? All faith have all faith have service over the earth. All all faith have service over the poor. It's a beautiful commonality, beautiful beauty of it to serve others. You're sitting here as a person uh, from a religious standpoint that has love in his heart. And you're also sitting here after uh, strenuous travel, long days, yeah. family engagements. Uh, you were eating on your way in, yeah. and and still here, excited yeah. to to sit here and have a conversation. Um, what drives you if it's not ego, if it's not goals, if it's not religion, if it's not purpose, you said life is meaningless. So with a person that's no, just I said me, life doesn't come li- with meaning. Life doesn't come with meaning. Excuse me. So as a person that is just very articulate, has articulated these these concepts yeah. to, to me very well, I sit here and go, why the hell is he here? Because you stalked me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Hey, listen, listen. I, I, I came because you exhibited yourself as standing forward for something. And I came because you exhibited yourself as being a creator. Mm. So I came to perpetuate a creator. That's why I'm here. And see, I'm creating you in these words as well. Because mm. that's how I see you. And so my paradigm in the universe is that I'm with a fellow who's creating. Right. Creators. Whenever I encounter you, that's hmm. how you appear for the world. Hmm. That's who you are for the world. Is a creator. Hmm. As we all are. Another haymaker to the to the left to the left dome. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, right. stumbling on my words, but. Yeah. Um, that's our only job, right? In my opinion, I, I don't think we have any other purpose. Um, that's where I create meaning is through is directions. Like, I mean, I, I even go back and forth with with the concept of reading. Like, knowledge is inseparable. Mm-hmm. Not knowledge mm-hmm. is is absolutely pivotal to everything mm-hmm. that we do. Mm-hmm. However, when you're reading, you're consuming. When you're writing, you're creating. So, what's mm-hmm. the value in reading, really? Mm-hmm. Well, knowing and not doing is is not knowing. I mean, how many people read books that don't do anything with it? Yeah, if seminars could save the world. Oh, totally. Yeah. 
Totally. Now, if you go and you have a paradigm shift and you live into a new reality and you act in that way, then awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do with what you know? I don't care what you know. What do you do with what you know? Right. It's your actions that speak of who you are. You can listen to podcasts all day long. Waste of time. Waste of time. Right. And so few show up and like actually are an action of it. It's my number one hiring question is tell me about the books in your personal development library. Great. The number one question is now what did you apply from what you learned? Right. And why did you choose that lesson to apply it? Ah. That gives me all the insight that I need. Into everything that that person is. And number one, most people go, books? Personal development library? What? I have an iPad. I I listen to podcasts. What? Yeah. You don't have any books? You haven't actually been curious? You haven't gone out to find solutions in life? Why would I hire you? Oh, my gosh. Can you scale with that? Sorry, the entrepreneur in me is just, can you scale with that? You don't have an opportunity not to. What what am I going to do? Hire people that that come with problems that see a negative perspective in the world? You have to take some time to find those people, no question. But they are exponential. A players hire other A players. Of course they do. So, okay. That's the only way to scale. Urgent is just to hire a whole bunch of people. But important, living in the important quadrant, which eliminates all urgent, is to take the time to find people who are just that. Hmm. Curious creators. You have to be a curious creator. And you ebb and flow in a certain way. You see abundance in a certain way. You work in a certain way. Like I'm starting to notice the difference now between people that work in different ways. What's the what's the driving motivation? Where's the fire coming from? Right? Where what pushes what pushes certain entrepreneurs? What pushes certain people, right? Because some people, like David, you seem like you're playing. I am I having so much fun. It's you ridiculous. You seem like you're playing. Uh, How so the do you play? I mean, you are yeah. doing one of the most pivotal things like yeah. cleaning pollution yeah. and like Thank fixing you. our biological annihilation, yeah. which is yeah. is very much an annihilation. Yeah, we are important. in an yeah. extinction event. You are looking yeah. to solve that problem, yeah. right? We're losing 70 to 80% of all yeah. living biomass on this planet. This is real. And you're solving the most pivotal problems mm-hmm. of our time, of our species, mm-hmm. of our planet. Mm-hmm. The planet yeah. will be here either way, but of our species. Oh, yeah. It's got nothing to do, <laughs> nothing to do with the planet. And you're yeah. playing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having my own human journey. So great. So <laughs> amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's so much fun. Like, I don't really get, I get tired. Like, why well, you get physically tired sometimes, but I'm not tired. Why would I ever get tired of this? That's what I'm saying is that like you, yeah. you show up here today after an exhausting schedule and proceed to play, yeah. which is atrocious. <laughs> Thank you. And, and you, you know, I, I hear you can, um, I forget who said it, but you can, you can tell a master by the sound of their laughter, yeah. right? And that, that's truly true. And I hear it in your voice. I hear it in your laugh that that, that is authentic. And yeah. that's, that's, how you're, yeah. that's how you're building. How you got to that spot after the uh, tragedies and the just atrocious events in your life. I, I do not know how you've created such choice. joy out of such pain. Choice. You choose. Oh. You choose, my friend. Anything is a choice. Whatever you feel is a choice. You chose to feel it. Mm. There's so much freedom in that thought. There's so much freedom. In it. It's such a big thought. Here's the thing that I take away, take away from Michael Singer, the beautiful part of this. 
this, the ego mind, the thoughts of the ego, you see, the, the ego never wants you to be happy, right? Like it right. doesn't, your ego mind doesn't tell you that you're handsome, amazing, and everyone wants to hang out with you and that you're whole and complete. No, it doesn't. It tells you that you're whatever, you're, you're, no, you're, you know, you're going bald, you're fat, you're, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be, right? It's always got these, you know, these thoughts about you. And it lives there. It is alive there. If you are happy, it dies. And it fights for its survival. You're fighting with something that is fighting for its life when you find joy. And so there's that space in there. And so, so coming to the place of knowing that my life is my choice is a, is a power in, the, in that. Hmm. Where the mind wants to show up and tell you that you shouldn't be happy, you get a moment to recognize as well that there's a space in between those thoughts and what you choose in life. There's a space in between those thoughts. Oh, yeah. This is the work of Viktor Frankl. I mean, you know, man's search for meaning. That between condition and response is a space. Between condition and, and response. response is a space. And in that space, your life is defined. It's like the, the, the example um, that's used is like a deer in the woods. The deer in the woods, if it hears a noise, flees. There's no space in between the condition and the response of the deer. Humans have a space where they get to choose. If that space exists. When I first started meditating a couple of years ago, I um, started to notice uh, it was driven from a place of, well, I want to be in control. And I noticed that um, that my uh, the world's stimuli and my emotions were just playing me like a violin. Yeah. They were just simply pushing me in directions and I was just reactionary yeah. to everything. And I think many people do indeed still live their lives like that. And, and that's, a, that's a hard thing Most to overcome. Most die that way. Most die that way. Um, and so for me, it came from a place of, no, I want to be in control. I want to be in control. I want to, to choose. Yeah. Um, but that almost came from, in, in, in my case, of a, a stubborn place, a stubborn place of, no, yeah. <laughs> hold on. I, I, I call the shots here. Um, and I think many, many great realizations, many great businesses, many great people come from those places of stubbornness, dark energy, oh, whatever, sure. whatever. And, but you can maybe only take that so far. Like, I don't have the answers to this. I don't know. It seems like the best people in the world, the top hundred people in the world, the top thousand people in the world, regardless of whatever it is, are all happier than the top 9,000 to, you know, 1,001. There just seems to be a disconnect there. And I just study people. That's all I do. I just study behavior. I just study emotions. I study life. I'm just curious. That's it. And so I just, it seems like they're, there's never a disconnect. There's such a disconnect between being the best and the relationship you have with the stimuli in the universe. So as much as you can stand in front of me and say, create space, 
I still think you can go damn far without. And I still see that. Of course that. you can. No question. You can do, all kinds of people do all kinds of crazy shit. They get all <laughs> kinds of shit done. But they're not happy. Right. They're not having a joyous living experience. Right. Right. Have a joyous living experience. I was on the car right here. I was thinking about this conversation and um, I had noticed the, the, some of your tones in some of the podcast and the, and the research that I've yeah. done. And I thought, well, what makes this guy tick? And I just don't understand. And I tried to think about the concepts and the constructs that you've developed, et cetera, et cetera. Some of which have been revealed in this conversation. Others have not. And, and I started to just apply instantly to my own life. And, and, and I got mad because I was like, shit, Joss, you got happy before you got rich. And I was mad about that. I was like, what the hell? Huh. And I was like, and it just deconstructed things. And I've been in a very esoteric state this entire conversation and before that, because I'm simply just still trying to unravel that, right? I mean, it's hard when you are, when you've beaten down a path so much. I have a train of thought of scarcity. I have a train of thought of plastic as waste. I have a train of thought of losing a daughter supposed to derail me from my life and my business. And then you just started to bushwhack down the side. Right. <laughs> Which it's like, I'm sitting on the path going, David, I, I mean, see you bushwhacking. But yeah. What the hell? Yeah. It's good. So yeah. if I have any takeaway, I think it's that. Right. Um, I'd like to end with your, your vision a little bit here. I think um, we've gone to the depths of many conversations, the depths of, of many things I did not expect and things that were, you know, frankly came out of left field, but are incredibly valuable. There's many podcasts that I listened back to many, many times, and this will be one of them. Um, and just laugh at my reactions to your words, uh, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> but as you sit now here today, um, we're a long way from, what was it, May 11th, yeah. 2013, yeah. right before noon. Um, you know, as we sit many years away from yeah. that and probably still very early in this plastic bank journey, what's the goal? What's your vision? You are someone that lives in the future and manifests yeah. the hell out of this life and someone that's yeah. talked to the most influential people ever. Yeah. So what's the goal? What's the vision? I, I'm just having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even thinking so much fun. about it. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm disrupting virgin plastic production. Yeah. There's 9 trillion kilo of plastic on the earth. All the plastic we've ever made is still here. 9 trillion kilo. This year we'll go through like 350 billion kilo. What? Like we had, here's, here's some, um, I like to share this as well because I have to talk about stewarding the environment. Um, you know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here, but of, of the numbers available that I had a few years ago, I'm still going to use the same numbers. It's more now, but um, two years ago, the number was 8.3 trillion kilo of plastic on the earth. There's seven and a half billion people on the planet. The average human is 62 kilo. We have the equivalent of 129 billion people worth of plastic by mass. By volume, it's probably 500 billion, 600 billion, 700 billion people worth of plastic. We keep making more. It's ridiculous. It's almost infinitely recyclable. Now, of that, it's worth roughly a dollar a kilo. It's eight, nine trillion dollars worth of value. That no one sees. And it's about 500 billion to end extreme poverty. 
how about we've inadvertently been depositing the very value to end all injustice, pain, malnourishment, inequality, all of it mm. available to monetize that material. Mm. And that's only if we transact it once. Right. But we can transact it infinite uh, times. Infinite times. <laughs> yes. And so the real business model here is to build a supply chain of consumer to business supply chain that urban minds, that takes every piece of material that comes into every household and creates that platform for it to be returned into manufacturing. Right. And by doing that, putting even more money into the hands of the economy. Right. Building it up further. And they build it further and becomes they buy more and, and it replenishes. And the great part about what we're trying to lead for the world is really this regeneration economy. Right. I mean, the whole thoughts of sustainability have to end. We've got to transition through that powerfully. We have to get to the, we have to pass the point of saying, I'm going to do less damage this year than last year and try to take that as a big win. Right. How freaking inauthentic. Right. We have to powerfully enter the regeneration economy. We have to really create a place where every business repairs damage. That is occurring. That's unfolding now. Right. So I have to steward that as well. And so I have to steward a, a different way of thinking, a different how to show up for people, how to create possibility, reality, live into those realities, invite people, whether I be on stage or a podcast, into that realm of possibility. Right. Right. How do you suggest that, that uh, this millennial generation, this group of young people entering into the world and now into the workforce and now into yeah. leadership positions, how do you think or you suggest we should exist within this new vision, this new biosphere consciousness, if you will? Listen, knowing and not doing, two different things. You can't stand forward and you know, complain about plastic in the ocean and buy your water in a bottle. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. So there's, you know, it's all a sense of self here, right? Right. That's been the entire conversation here, which is what I wanted to come with, right? Who am I? How am I in the world? What do I stand forward for in the world? What paradigm do I stand forward for? And how do I communicate from that paradigm, knowing that everything that I will ever experience or have experienced is a gift of life and share those lessons and take people into that journey with me, which is the way people have to show up in any career or job or as a consumer hmm. and in the spirit of this using our word to create i add that and that when you're out somewhere and you say no just like i should have at the tandoori restaurant down the road didn't <laughs> conceive that they'd be using polystyrene right to say no that's not okay i won't take it in that i'm sorry if that's all you got i won't buy it give it to me on something else or i'm going somewhere else hmm. Vote with your dollar. And your voice. And when you stand forward that way and speak up, it creates a space for other people to step into that reality too. Mm -hmm. When you turn down single-use material you're and you're telling people that I won't do that, it creates a space for them to make the decision too. Mm -hmm. It makes it real for the world. So be real for the world. Be real. Be in the now. The only thing real is now. The importance of that is your life. The importance of that is meaning. The importance of that is the globe. The importance of that is every other living piece of energy ever. It's authentic leadership. When you stand forward and enjoy and you're living authentically, powerfully, that's what people are inspired by. Right. 
I think that's really what's unfolding for people who see me today. They just see me in my authenticity. Right. And I'm not always like smiling, but I have joy in my heart. I'm like super great. Sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta keep moving. Come on, everybody. Joy, like (laughs) I'm just authentic. No, it's beautiful. I don't, I don't live in the eyes of others, which is what I did in my 30s. And how many people, how many of us live in the eyes of others, live in the way that we believe they see us? Hmm. Can't control which some other way someone looks at me from their own life and stuff. So I stopped living in the eyes of others. Right? There's the authenticity inside of it, and that's leadership. And, and, and some others will say, oh, it's fearlessness. It's not fearlessness. I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't have any effect on the joy of my life because I live authentically, powerfully, beautifully. I just want to see love for people. I'm always remarkable and amazing. It's, it's, I'm, it's fantastic. Right. You have to walk in every situation, every room, and just don't give a fuck. But at the same time, have deep love, care, and compassion for but everything. That is, that, that's the beautiful part. What occurs when you don't give a fuck, that's what unfolds. Is, is the care. Is the, is the care and love. Right. Because it's not about myself. I don't care about what I'm, I don't care what other people show up with. I just have a deep sense of love for everyone. It's amazing. Yeah. I love, you know, we came across, um, I have a beautiful woman in my life. Remarkable. <laughs> I have a beautiful woman in my life. Beautiful. Uh, she's certainly beautiful, but she's such a, an amazing soul. Mm. And that uh, we kind of discovered together this conversation of what would love do. And so we, you know, challenge ourselves that way all the time. Whenever we're a place, we're traveling or we're encountering someone, especially someone that might not be treating us well as well. It's like, oh, you know, WWLD, right? What would love do? And so what would love do in this scenario? Oh, well, we would love that person. We would try to bring them out of that space and we'd engage them further. Right. You know, so what would love do? It's really powerful on its own. The greatest um, questions in philosophy are generally paradoxes. And, mm. and, and I, I continue to find that, which yeah. is uh, tough as a young person, as many listeners will agree, is that it's very hard as you acquire knowledge and you start to implement it. It's very hard to strategize. I found this personally. I, I can't strategize knowledge Knowledge just comes and I act on it. Yeah. But I like to plan. <laughs> I like to, to strategize. Have you encountered that thought pattern that I've just had? Or you have so much knowledge. How do you plan out a business? How do you plan out the future of plastics? How do you plan out the future of St. Mark or Port-au-Prince? How do you plan out the future of those things when you're acting on love, you're acting on knowledge? Yeah. And you stand forward for the unlimited possibility of it all. And I know that I've created a monetary system. And I know that I created a way for the world to use material and I set core values in the organization. I understand what actions I need to be uh, in the daily action of. Lost my words there. Uh, but I know I know what I need to be doing every day. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And not by, and in the expression, they're not like, what do I, what tasks do I need to be doing? But what verbs do I need to be in action of every day? And so for us, the core value of the company is to gather together, right? Is the double entendre in it. It's like, you know, it's to go and get the material. But for us, it's to bring the world together mm. into a place where they get the material. Mm. So I know that everything in the organization is about creating that, that community and that ecosystem 
that allows the world to come together. Okay, that's cool. And then certainly it's about reveal, revealing value. It's like, how do I find even the greater in the, in the item, in the person, in the process? How do I find more value in it? How do I share more value for the world? That's something that we are doing all the time that's in the basis of all of our decisions. And then love the verb. How do I love people? How do I do for them when they don't know that they can be have something done for them? How do I see them greater than they are for themselves? I'm always that as always has to be in the basis of everything that I do. And then inside of all of it, it's the becoming. How am I better a little bit today than I was yesterday? What more can I do today? What else will I learn today? How will I provide a space for other people to become and learn? That's the abundance of it. Hmm. All I know is if I'm doing and making decisions that have all of that in their core, it's going to be the right decision. Hmm. I had questions around how do you run your business? How do you delegate tasks? How do you delegate time? How do you yeah. delegate all this? You've answered it all yeah. um, without yeah. without even trying, really. Um, so. Yeah, it's, you know, the one piece of advice here that lives in all of that, what I just told you as well, is never answer a question. <laughs> like, like if you know, true management, I mean, every time you answer a question, you enslave yourself. Every time you ask one, you set yourself free. I mean, just think of it. Like if someone, if you create, as an entrepreneur, if you create a paradigm where people have to come to you, for your for their questions to be answered by you what are you creating what what human will you have that's a closed loop system there's no what you're doomed they're of course they're going to leave you don't answer anything ask them what would it be like for you why would you do it that way what would your choices be like could you be accountable for that that's amazing why would you come to me in the future right I mean, that's the abundance. See, that's love at its soul. That's authentic leadership. It allows someone else to become revealed. They will make better decisions for you so that you don't have to make the decisions. I've spent my whole life in entrepreneurship learning that very lesson. So I don't make, I don't make decisions anymore. They come to me sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to weigh in on this because I've got wisdoms or things like that. Daily decisions, I don't make decisions. There's 100 staff. I don't make decisions. Are you kidding me? I hire people for that. <laughs> And I hire people in the knowing that I only hire them for the quality of the decisions they make. Right. And people are only paid in line with the quality of decisions they make. You can't make quality decisions. You're never going to make money. Hmm. That's what you're paid for. You're paid to make quality decisions. That's why CEOs make the millions because they make quality decisions. Decisions that can influence billions of dollars. Quality decisions, right? Hmm. And so if you're answering for people, they're never going to make a decision. You're, you're, you're diminishing people. You're diminishing people by not providing responses to questions. That makes no sense, but it makes entire sense. I'm reflecting now on earlier days at, at jobs. I had great 40 under 40 bosses that would, I would ask questions to constantly yeah. and would receive almost no answers, only questions back, right. unlimitedly frustrating now powerful. I get it. Amazing. Super powerful. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. If there's one action, if there's one, if there's one action that you can leave, you know, you're going to affect 500, 1,000, 2,000 people. 
if you can push them towards one action, one way of thinking uh, as it regards to plastic, as it regards to self, as it regards to business, as it regards to anything, what's the action that you need to push on upon those people? Or the question you need to ask? Well, you know, I think that in the spirit of the of my work here too, I have to remind everyone that every time they buy something, they vote. Right. 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 Be really careful. Right. Be right. powerful. Be intentional. Be intentional. And with the intention that you're living into creation, oh, I mean, there's just so much. It's, it's so, it's so crazy. It's so simple and yet so hard. Thank you. Thank you, David. Yeah, awesome. Josh was great. Amazing. Fun. I love it. Let's um I look forward to watching you. Yeah. Oh my god, so much so much because so much stuff unfolding. Mm. Thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, fun. Thank you. Yeah. Love it. <laughs>